Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome back, folks, to Today's Issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Walker Wildman and now joining us from across the street, Steve Jordahl, news reporter for onenewsnow.com. Hey, good morning slash good afternoon to you, Steve. Good morning slash good afternoon. And what a difference a day makes, man. Coming across that street, uh, it the, the rain has gone. It's blue skies. Yeah. It's about 70 degrees outside. It is gorgeous. I'm, oh, I don't want to go back into the building. Uh, no, I know. I, I can remember being in high school. And I also taught high school, uh, junior high and high school history for a number of years. And uh, always on days like this, can we go out? Can we have class outside? I know, right? Can we have class outside? Yeah. And, of course, I was suckered into it on no, a number I, of occasions. I've only know? been in the South for, for six or seven years, so I'm, maybe I don't have the whole, like, history of this. But are we having an, uh, maybe an extra long spring? Because I seem to remember a lot of years with cold and cold and rain and storms and then a, a week or so of spring, and then all of a sudden it gets to 100 and degrees and humid yeah it uh my experience and I, i've lived in mississippi since uh, 1985 and um I, my wife who's from mississippi we've been married since 81 mm-hmm. so um so i've gotten used to the south mm-hmm. and i think this is a little bit of an extended spring what normally happens is you go from beautiful weather to hot yeah like within a week so if we can get the rest of May to be like this, hmm. I'll be a happy camper. Yeah. And then anything anything after that is just gravy. Yeah. But but July and August are just miserable usually yeah. in the yeah, south. Yeah, that that's when you go uh so when is winter going to be here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we had that ice so we had that ice for about a week yeah, here. Remember that? Yeah. Snow and everything. I was really going. I was going, listen, I'm I'm from the north, but I am ready for summer. Yeah, but I will be doing the opposite. I'll be doing the opposite complaint in oh. uh, July and August. And by the way, Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Oh, it is Cinco de Mayo. Yes. That's right. If we have any uh, of our Hispanic uh, uh, listeners or people from uh, Mexico? Yeah. That would be uh, that's a, that's a Mexican holiday, right? It is. Is that a Independence related? It's their Independence Day, is, for, is what I understand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So happy Cinco de Mayo to those who celebrate it. Gracias, Gracias, amigo. You you celebrate it, uh, (laughs) apparently. All right, Steve, what do we got news-wise? Well, let's talk about the uh, race relations in this country, Uh, not like it isn't a hot topic, but do you remember in the um, the answer, the speech that followed Joe Biden's speech to Congress, remember it was Tim Scott, and he had a a, what uh, didn't seem that controversial to many of us, but what seemed to rile a lot of feathers He said this. This is cut five. America is not a racist country. The question is, is there a lingering effect after a couple of centuries of racism and discrimination in this nation? The answer is absolutely. Fighting bigotry with bigotry is hypocrisy. It just doesn't work. Now, he got some pushback, and I want you to hear uh, Tiffany Cross from MSNBC. She laid into Tim Scott, who's senator from South Carolina. Uh, Tim Scott is a senator from South Carolina. Tiffany Cross is an MSNBC pundit. Um, listen to her taking uh, Tim Scott to the woodshed. Uh, t- uh, yeah, Tim Scott to the woodshed. 
Okay, let's be clear. Tim Scott does not represent any constituency other than the small number of sleepy, slow-witted sufferers of Stockholm Syndrome who get elevated to prominence for repeating a false narrative about this country that makes conservative white people feel comfortable. So thirsty for white approval, the ability to shame the ancestors and appease the oppressors all in one speech, that's extreme. Though not quite like the domestic violent extremism that the Department of Homeland Security is investigating within its own ranks, mind you. But please, Senator, say more about how unracist the country is while you trot out that tired line about going from cotton to Congress to clown. Well, let me just quote Tim Wildman. Uh, I've heard of him. The the host of this show. (laughs) Shut up. Just, (laughs) Just shut up. I can't, how many lies did she throw out in that short little brief, obviously pre-prepared, canned uh, rebuke of Senator Tim Scott? You know, yeah, one thing I noticed, pretty consistent trend here is, you know, we talk about the policies and the horrible decisions of the Democrats and their their governors and their people in Washington, D.C., Um, And we talk about factually why their ideas are bad ideas. But for the most part, with the exception of telling them to shut up every once in a while, (laughs) we don't just throw around names and slander people just because we don't like them. But this is what the left does. This is what the left does. All they can do is insult people, and they cannot debate the issue at hand. The facts are on their side. she, She didn't say anything substantial. Uh, anything of substance about why what Senator Tim S- Senator Tim Scott said is wrong right. about how one of the facts he pointed out is wrong or his position on this issue is wrong? She just said basically Senator Tim Scott is is kowtowing to the KKK and he just wants to be a part uh, of the white re- white r- right wing conspiracy. Um, but but th- this is what they do. In fact, she she tossed in things that almost sound tinfoil hat, but, you know, the Department of Homeland Security and other branches of the federal government investigating their own ranks to find the domestic terrorists that are there when we're all sitting here saying, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And right. what we think they're talking about is Trump supporters. Yeah, absolutely. That we're trying to root out people who voted for Donald Trump. So calling a U.S. senator a clown, I I, I totally agree, Walker. You better have some proof, and you better have some proof that what Tim Scott is motivated by is a desire to ingratiate himself with his white oppressors. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as if Tim Scott is that stupid. Right. The guy's a brilliant guy. He has himself talked about racism. He mentioned and has talked on a number of occasions when he first was elected to the Senate that he was pulled over numerous times, I think four or five times, because, in his opinion, because he was driving while black. So Tim Scott is not under any uh, illusions that uh, race relations are perfect in this country. There's a lot of work to be done, but he is of the opinion that we have made improvements in this country, and we need to keep working on those improvements instead of being hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah, this this is uh, concrete evidence that the left, they they love to demonize and lump everybody into one big group. So it's basically like if you had a whiteboard like Karl Rove, 
you would basically put Republican equals KKK right. on the whiteboard. And anybody yeah. who, not just you got to be a registered Republican, anybody who dares to even side with Republicans or conservatives on any issue, that equals KKK. I mean, hey, that's even if how, you're black. Yes, that's even, what it she, doesn't matter saying, what your skin color is. Yes, she's a, even if even if you are black, if you are a Republican or you're a conservative, increasingly if you're a white evangelical, you are in this category of being a white supremacist slash oppressor. Yes, and that was the argument that was being made, and that's the narrative that if you dare go against it, you get tossed into the. Do you remember when Tim Scott, well. the first week he went to con- to the Senate back in the day? He asked if he could join the Congressional Black Caucus, or what was the Senate version of it. They told him no. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't think like we do, so right. you're not welcome. That battle is going on within the Republican Party as well. Um, the Republican Party is trying to figure out right now whether they're going to be the party of George W. Bush and Mitch McConnell or the party of Donald Trump. And uh, right now the jury's out. I'll tell you that leadership in the House, uh, this is uh, House number two House Steve Scalise, who is – uh, the whip, I believe, uh, majority whip and minority whip, and he was the one that was injured on the baseball field um, when shot, the, the shot, yeah. yeah, shot on the baseball field. Anyway, uh, he has now withdrawn his support from Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, who has been very vocal about President Trump blaming him for the January six uprising, and uh, she has come out against him. Now he says, Steve Scalise does. I don't support her anymore for the number two position in the in the in the Senate, for, uh, for I'm sorry for the House for yeah. Republicans. I think Elise Stefanik would be a better choice, and mm-hmm. so he's going there. Yeah, and th- this gets. Th- I want to make sure our listeners know this goes deeper than just the January sixth riot and the impeachment that followed. Um, Liz Cheney and and those like her, which are. There's a handful in the Republican Party. Mitt Romney, we played him getting booed at the Utah GOP meeting uh, this past week. You know, really, when you when you assess and look at Liz Cheney's positions on the issues, she's really in, in disagreement with much of the Republican Party platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, much of the Republican Party platform, which was shaped by conservatives, shaped by the tr- uh, incoming Trump team in 2016 at the uh, RNC convention, you know, many of the views that she holds uh, are not consistent with her own party. And so I think this goes deeper than just the impeachment vote. Um, uh, you know, I hesitate to, especially in light of the cancel culture, um, the cancel culture is really building a resistance of its own against counseling people, even counseling people we disagree with. Right. Um, and so, you know, Liz Cheney, she doesn't need to be removed from the party just because she voted once to impeach Trump, even though that was a terrible decision. Uh, you know, her and Mitt Romney, they just don't they don't agree with the party that they're in. I mean, they either need to be independents or Democrats. People are going to have to come down on one side or the other, other of this issue on the, in the Republican Party because, folks, President Trump is going to run again in 2024. You hear, heard it here first. I want you to I want you to listen to it. You being serious? Well, listen to this. This is a conversation that he had with Candace Owen on her her talk show. President Trump said this cut 11. One more question, because I'm sure you've gotten this question tons of times, but are you going to run in 2024? And if so, can I be your vice president? Oh, that's very interesting. (laughs) Wow, what a good choice that would be. That would be fantastic. Trump Owens, 24. So, yeah, I think that's a great, I would be, you would be fantastic. And, you know, I really appreciate the job you do and everybody does. Uh, The answer is I'm absolutely 
enthused. I look forward to doing an announcement at the right time. Uh, as you know, it's very early. But I think people are going to be very, very happy uh, when I make a certain announcement. Is there any way he can not announce for president after <laughs> no, that? I no. think he Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that wasn't right what you did, man. Telling us that he had announced that he was running. I was sitting there thinking, is he really running? Yeah. I I think think he's in the planning stages of something. I personally don't think he's going to run. I think he may uh, help someone else run. Because he's known to shake things up. And everyone's expecting him to run. Uh, and he's been having a lot of dinners with Ron DeSantis, with Ted Cruz, and with other conservative leaders. Um, I don't know. I have no evidence to back that up. But I think – I'm not sure he wants to be president again. I mean, well, he's, man, go- he's golfing every day at Mar-a-Lago. A man with his ego that says people are going to be very, very happy with this announcement, I don't see how it could mean anything except – uh, I'm going to announce that I'm running again. Maybe, so maybe you've he heard will. it. You've heard it here first. President Trump might run. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. I'm, I'm glad predicting. For the, I'm glad for this. I'm predicting clip. he will. I, yeah. I, I'm going to. I understand what you're saying, and just going by that that uh, clip we just played. Um, in fact, let, let's let's play that again because I'm I'm going to tr- try to listen here and see if I can. I want to hear what he has to say again, and then I'm going to tell you what I think. One more question, because I'm sure you've gotten this question tons of times, but are you going to run in 2024? And if so, can I be your vice president? Oh, that's very interesting. Wow, what a good choice that would be. That would be fantastic. Trump Owens, Uh, 24. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great, I would be huge. You would be fantastic. And, you know, I really appreciate the job you do and everybody does. Uh, The answer is I'm absolutely enthused. I look forward to doing an announcement at the right time. Uh, As you know, it's very early. But I think people are going to be very, very happy uh, when I make a certain announcement. (laughs) That's coy. I I don't think he's running. I'm just going to go by that. Now, I'm I'm like 60-40. He's not. Okay? This is not 80-20. I I think if he was going to run, he probably would have announced already. He said, I'm going by the ego thing. He said, right immediately following this, which I cut out for time, he said the reason he hasn't announced her, he says there's penalties to announcing too soon from the election finance. Uh, you have to, your, really? your finances have to be in order. Yeah. Uh, in this, when you announce. Federal Elections Commission. You right. Mean? FEC, okay. yeah. So, okay. so he said that. Uh, that it would it's too early for any announcement because of the the economic repercussions of his to the to a well, campaign. That my my concern would be if he ran again his age. Now, he has shown himself to be almost superhuman mm-hmm. in terms of his his what appears to be a terrible diet, you know, Big Macs and stuff like that and uh uh I I would be concerned about his health, his age and his health. But Maybe, maybe he's maybe his genetic makeup is such that he the guy could run when he's yeah, eighty. The only reason I, I think he probably shouldn't run is because the media wants him to run again. Yes. They would love nothing more than to beat him like a pinata for the next you know however many years. He's he carried the media for the last four years yeah. when he was president. Yeah, and so I think it might actually frustrate the media and surprise everyone if he doesn't run, but instead he gets behind someone that is just like him very similar with as far as policies go and he supports them and 
then the issue is going to, the question is going to come up, is the media going to relentlessly go after this other candidate, which we know they will, but what substantially do they have against them? All you right, now, so let me flip-flop a little bit here and, and just kind of swing back to what Steve is saying. Could Donald Trump, when we're talking ego-wise, I don't think anybody, I, I think if you're going to run for president, you've got an ego. Obviously, you think you can do the job as the most powerful person in the world, okay? So there's got to be some ego there. So I don't mean to make this sound like an insult to the former president, but he has a substantial ego, okay? Could he sit in the background while somebody else carried the Trump flag? Good point. I'm, I'm not sure he could do that. And Good would point. he say that people were going to be thrilled with the announcement if that was the announcement? Yeah. All right, I'm flip-flopping. No, I'm flip-flopping now, and I'm saying it's 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll. I guess we will find out. What do you have any idea when the uh, when that point is when you can declare? I think it would have to be after the twenty twenty two midterms. Um, okay, because that, that's usually when people yeah. do announce is uh, at following the midterms. So maybe there is a law. I didn't know that that there was a law. So uh, you well, learn something it, new it's every day. A law. It's it's the regulation. campaign finance yeah. regulations. Yes, for okay. sure. All right. What else we got? Um, let's talk about. Global warming. Uh, oh, Alex- yeah, let's do that. Because <laughs> it's such a nice day out there. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, and other progressive lawmakers, I'm reading from Fox News here, are calling for the creation of a 1.5 million person strong group of civilians to work on federally funded projects addressing climate change. It's basically a new civilian, uh, what's that, uh, Conservation Corps? The oh, yeah, the old. Remember those? those oh, people? yeah, sure. Job, uh, the the uh, Peace Corps and all that. Right, right. Yeah. She's put, she wants to put together another 1.5 million strong army. And what they are going to do is they will work with community groups on initiatives to, quote, reduce carbon emission, enable a transition to renewable energy, build healthier and more resilient communities, implement conservation projects with proven climate benefits, and help communities recover from climate disasters. None of that is very specific as far as, I mean... It can encompass a whole lot of things, but she's going to pay 1.5 million people to be global uh, warming uh, evangelists. Well, it sounds certainly uh, Walker sounds like a, a great infrastructure uh, project. It I mean, that, 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 is that what we're defining yeah. as infrastructure? Absolutely. They sound they sound like a 1.5 million strong army of consultants who will will come visit your town and tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah, you know, and really everything now is infrastructure. Uh, Everything (laughs) now is infrastructure. And also, I mean, isn't the government notoriously uh, known for running efficient programs? Of course. I mean, you talk about squeezing every penny and making your dollar go the farthest. I mean, the government is known (laughs) for that. And efficiency, they get things done. I mean... And, oh, yeah. they, and they disband all these things when they've accomplished And, and you mission. know, it's, I mean, right. after all, it's government now sending uh, sending satellites into space. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's SpaceX. That's a private entity. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is uh, another, another wish list item from, from the left. And, um, and it's part of their, of their agenda to more government, right? This is uh, adding, this will be essentially adding 1.5 million employees to the government payroll. What? When, when, because we talked about this in our story meeting this morning, and as you read that, uh, read that again. What, what this, this group 
uh, again, these are progressive, progressive slash regressive uh, uh, people in the in Congress, right? Alexander yes, Ocasio it's, Cortez, it's the squad, and, and the squad. Okay, what would this group be doing? Because okay, here as people listen to you read this again, here's what I picture: we're talking states and local communities, cities, metropolitan areas. Okay, that are doing their thing. And now this army of federal people are going to come and tell you to do what? Okay, so read read this again. Work with community groups on initiatives to, quote, reduce carbon emissions, enable a transition to a renewable energy, build healthier and more resilient communities, implement conservation projects with proven climate benefits, and help communities recover from climate disasters. Oh, like an EPA 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, what it sounds like. The government-sponsored... You know, th- uh, this is like... Th- this is... And, and this is going to be a little insulting to AOC. But this is like... We've got kids on a playground. And they're taking turns each day of the week being king for the week. Or president for the week. Playground, and when, playground monitor. Yeah. And when you're, when you're the king for the week, you can do whatever you want. I mean... If you want 1.5 million more people to work for you, you can do it. After all, we are kids on the playground. Mm-hmm. And so it's like AOC's sitting around with her other kids going, no, I want, I want 1.5 million people to work on my project today. And they're seeing how far they can go and how big they can dream. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you try to, like, talk specifics about this, I bet she doesn't even have specifics. Like, does she have, like, a detailed proposal she's putting forth? No, I think if she if she might have, but she hasn't uh, produced it yet because I think it would. Uh, the more detail you get, the more accountable you have to be, and I don't think she wants that. Right. Look, you're you're a, you're either a state or a city that already has bought into this and are already working on it, or you're not. And if you're not having some Fed come to your city or to your city council meeting and say, "Listen, uh, we need to get, we need to improve the uh, green friendly proposals. Yeah. You know, your proposal need to be more green friendly. And then those cities are going to say, "Get lost." Yeah, we don't want you here. Or they're going to say, "Yeah, we love we love the federal government, and we're all in, so you can help us." But this 1.5 million aren't going to change the direction that these communities are already going. I, I doubt it. But they'll get a pretty good salary. Yep. I'm guessing. All right, as we leave you, uh, I want to take you to Halifax, Nova Scotia, the Ardmore Tea Room. Someone was walking past the Ardmore Tea Room, and they were aghast that someone was sitting at the table without a mask on. So they called police. And in Canada, as you've seen with the churches there, police respond. Police responded only to find that the person that they were worried about with no mask was a mannequin. Sitting at the table was one of several mannequins that the uh, owner of Ardmore Tea was using to promote social distancing in this restaurant when it got back open. <laughs> so let me see if I get this right. In Canada, the people who were social distancing without masks were dummies. Ah, yes. Uh, all right. So, so the police actually showed they up, did. Yeah. and they were going to ticket these people, yeah. or. Okay, but they turned out to be mannequins. Well, they would ticket the people, or and or the uh, the tea room itself. That must be a nice community to have your police have so much time on their hands. Yeah, well, that they can that they can give it's mannequins <laughs> tickets. Canada. It is Canada, so <laughs> they're all generally speaking nice. Yeah, uh, Fred's pretty nice when he's not picking on me. 
<laughs> All right, Steve. Thank you, sir. My Appreciate pleasure. it. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. You have been, uh, if you have been listening, this is today's issues. We have more great programming directly ahead on American Family Radio. And uh, folks, pray for our country. Don't forget that important privilege and responsibility. Pray for revival. Tomorrow's the day of prayer. Tomorrow is, oh, the National National Day Day of Prayer. Prayer. Good. Good on you. All right, folks, more great programming directly ahead on American Family Radio. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow.